0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the word. Thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome to our Deeper podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And if you didn't know, Today, the date in which we are recording this is June first, which means means a lot of things. Actually, we are equidistant to Christmas as the
0: Christmas behind us is equidistant. A word? I feel like we need to get what, is, what we need to get a referee on that word. Of course, it is equidistant. Micah, can you Google that? <laughs> and then I need you to hit the pronunciation on the Google. I mean... Because I think (laughs) equidistant might be a word, maybe. Regardless. We can circle back. Right. Hey, by the way, irregardless, now a word. (laughs) Did you know that? Man, we're off to a great start. I know. This is bad. Sorry. I'm annoyed. You can just change the language now when you just feel like it. So so, irregardless is not a word, but suddenly it's a word. So it is it? It It is. So it's a word. Mo gets the word.
1: I I wouldn't have used it if it wasn't. I mean, I I do kind of... Pride myself in words. Yeah. I mean, you don't know, usually off road, so, but I don't felt, know. I felt good about it. But the point is, it's June 1st, <laughs> and we are 208 days to Christmas Day. And technically 196 days from this past Christmas. So we're close. So this week, we're going to be about the halfway mark. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, it, I, I didn't know that it was
0: June yet. Like, I literally <laughs> woke up and realized. It's June. Uh-oh. Yeah, like it's – um. W- once I became a pastor, literally my life is just segmented in seven days, you know. It's so true. Like it's – and it, it goes – I don't remember it going this fast in the music business, but just because every Sunday there's a new – thing. it's like literally, you know, last Sunday, in Jesus' name, amen. And then in my mind, I'm immediately – it's another seven day. The clock sort of ticking. Yes. Out. I completely agree. It's these
1: se- seven-day increments – That do not stop coming. Yeah,
0: so somehow we've we've I guess we've had twenty six of those (laughs) Sundays in in just well that somehow went by really fast. Well,
1: summer's here, and because summer's here, we are we're in a new sermon series called the Summer of Psalms, and uh, you launched that or we launched that on Sunday. Yeah, uh, jumping into specifically Psalm forty two. And uh, you were teaching us how to pray. And, and that's that's I guess this series is going to be really focused around the idea of prayer, not mm-hmm. just um, a, a random um, psalm that we're going to be dissecting,
0: which we will be, but the mm-hmm. focus really is to dial into prayer. Yeah, the, the, so psalm it's songs, right, but it's full of prayer. and if, if, if you're like me, you know the idea of praying is like, well, I don't know what else to say. I feel like I've, I've said it all, and I'm I, I look at the timer, and it's like twelve. You know, twelve seconds has gone by and now. I go, now, what do I do? But you know, a long time ago, I someone told me, I don't remember who it was, but you know, praying the Psalms. I mean, so when the Bible, like Ephesians five, and I think Colossians one, like when he says, even speak to each other in Psalms. Like there's, um, you know, is that, does he mean like the songs that they were singing then? I think he meant the actual Psalms. Like there is power in the Psalms when we are praying for each other, when we are praying in general. Um, And it, it certainly gives us roadmaps for how to pray in almost every circumstance of life. There's some prayer covered in Psalms that makes it worth it for us to spend some time on it. So that's. Yeah, so it's summer of the Psalms, but it's like, how do you pray when each week? Because we're going to be looking at this Psalm as a roadmap for how do you pray when and then fill in the circumstance of your life. And I feel like we're going to cover most of those this summer. So when you say pray in summer, I have this immediate
1: childhood memory. For me, it's a childhood memory of going to my cousin's house in 1989. I was nine years old and yeah. they had the new M.C. Hammer Nine years old. cassette, and they were playing the song Pray from M.C. Hammer. Do you remember that song? Dude, that... Uh, yes. <laughs> that was 1989? Yes, sir. You got to pray just to make it today, is what the great poet was sung. So wait a minute. So when did Can't
0: Touch This come out?
1: Mm, that's a good question.
0: Because I thought Pray was like early nineties, like on the back end of his career, that was like the you know, he'd already, you know, Can't Touch This and sold a gajillion records and then like Prey was one of his last singles before he realized this was nineteen ninety. Wow. So Prey was first. According to this Wait, Prey was before Can't Touch This? That's what it says. Whoa. That's what it says. Dude, and my man went bankrupt by like ninety two, maybe, ninety three? Yeah. Like Got to pray just to make it today. Also, <laughs> got to pay <laughs> just to make it today. And I think it's because his payroll had to have just been bonkers. I mean. You had a lot of dancers and, like, this huge, uh, well, I guess a band. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the just the plane ticket bill for that posse? Yeah. Like, so in the, uh, so, oh man, somewhere around the early 2000s, I was sitting backstage with Cutlass uh, the Dove Awards, actually. And Kirk Franklin um, had come along. And Kirk... It just made me think of this, because Kirk rolled pretty deep as well, as far as he had a lot of people. Yeah. In fact, I remember the first summer when he was being booked for festivals. Uh, the, the festival owners were all very excited because you know Kirk was approving the offers. But they didn't know, nor did the agency know, that God's property... Because it was Kirk Franklin... And God's property for the song "Stomp" that went, yeah, yeah, bonkers. Yep, they were separate. So he, you had a bunch of people booking Kirk, and then they were getting like, oh yeah, but if you want God's property, it's another. Well, it was a, it was more. Yeah, money. Yeah, and uh, that was a very long uh, summer. But uh, with the backstage with the, with the Cutlass Boys, um, they they'd already whatever stage rehearsed, and and Kirk's out there, and and I remember these like they're just staring at the monitor, going, "Wait, that's it." <laughs> does when does he sing? Yeah. Like he doesn't sing. Like what is he just he's like a choir director? Like he's Yeah, pretty much. That's that's his big secret. Yeah. Really. Now by the way, very talented, extremely talented musician and in the short season that I was uh, with the, where he was at William Morris, he would, he called me Boo. Um
1: that was his nickname for you. I I, but I don't know it was just me. I think that I, I don't know. I feel like that was everybody. I think
0: everybody was Boo. But he'd be, even like in the early uh, 2000s, working a little bit with Anthony Evans, he he was next door neighbors with Kirk. and That's cool. And he would, anyway. So we got to pray just to make it. Man, that was a sidebar and a half. Uh, pray just to make it today. <laughs> we got to pray to make it through this podcast today. Uh, so we started with Psalm 42. Yeah. Well, who
1: who wrote Psalm 42?
0: So nobody knows. Isn't that interesting?
1: Because most of the Psalms, majority Many of the of Psalms. Them. Yeah, probably majority. Was written by David. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one kind of comes in as a uh, anonymous. Yeah,
0: sons of Korah. Okay, um, which would be numbers 16. The guy Korah was the guy that mounted the rebellion against Moses, and he and at that point 250 uh, of his followers, like the earth swallowed them up. And you, what well, you don't know until numbers 26, and it's just sort of set it as an aside that the the sons of Korah were spared. And they became part of the um, the worship team, basically. Interesting. Yeah, it was like, okay, so you know, we didn't you, you didn't get judged and the, or swallowed you up, but now you got to be in the worship band. That's your punishment. You got to be in the worship <laughs> band for the rest of your life. So that that song comes out of the Sons of Korah. So commentators don't know if it was um, the actual Sons of Korah or if it was part of the the generations that followed. It could be either one. Um, you know, it does open with the award winning line, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Of course. Did you guys do that song in your church growing up? Um, you know. Did that count as a hymn?
1: No. no. I, 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 honestly, we did not do that song growing up. I grew up in a church that was strictly hymn-based, so hymns only, wow. like the old classic hymns. So that would have been viewed as a worship song. So that's outside of the uh, category of hymns, and so when we, I moved churches in my high school years and was introduced to worship songs, <laughs> and,
0: and that was one of them. <laughs> what, so okay, but so what year was that? Like
1: oh yeah, like ninety six,
0: probably. So here's why that's hilarious to me. That so that's ninety six, like. The rest of the world had long moved on from "As the Deer." Pants. <laughs> <laughs> we were shouting to the Lord by then. We were that was oh, Darlene Check. You know, Hill song. I had heard it for the first time. Like it's brand new. <laughs> the, uh, it, it's funny because, so we I, I actually asked uh, Jason to bring that song back on Sunday. Our worship director. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I don't know. Well, first of all, at, the girl who's, who sang it, Alex. Goss, I mean, Phenomenal. oh my goodness, like, yeah, it's amazing, like, it was a really good version. Oh, yeah, she just mopped the floor with us, but then I remembered, I really don't like that song, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, Let's do that, like, it, but was funny at staff meeting, what was um, from our 20 year olds, they just didn't like the word panteth, panteth, and longeth, longeth, it's old English, That's my soul, very, longeth.
1: People are very unfamiliar with the old English.
0: Yeah, well, they probably should be. It's old, uh, but yeah, I, I felt kind of bad that that was that I, I set Jason up to, you know, to. Fill. And I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll get we'll get emails. Maybe maybe everybody loved as the deer pants for the water, but I I just was not. I was not vibing. I've got a buddy of mine who uh, has this wild
1: pair of 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 pants with like patterns of deer's on them, <laughs> and so I asked him if he would wear his deer pants to to service on Sunday, knowing that we were going to hit. You know, Psalm forty-two.
0: It's uh, okay. Why are we not saying names? <laughs> Who's, who do we ha- who do we know uh, that owns pants? Is this Tim Bisano? Uh, like, I can't think of anybody else. that would have. It's deer. amazing. It's our it's our really
1: good buddy Kevin Rogers. Kevin Rogers. He has these deer pants, and it's hilarious.
0: Does and, he wear them ironically? Yeah. Okay. I feel yeah, better
1: about that. Yeah. But it's funny. And so I was hoping he would show up Sunday for the for this, but. Psalm 42: As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. I mean, you were you were able to kind of distill this passage down into three sections for us, kind of, Stretchy, uh, yeah. Maybe not sections, but takeaways mm-hmm. that we would learn to pray honestly, humbly, and hopefully.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do we pray honestly? It's it's maybe yeah. more
0: difficult than we
1: think sometimes. <sighs>
0: So the honesty starts with um th- the truth like when he says as the deer pants f- for the water we have um our our house backs up to woods and there's a stream and it is a hot spot for the deer in our neighborhood That's which That's pretty cool. Uh it-, it is our dogs uh go absolutely bonkers um w- when they're hanging out in the backyard. Um but the, the the they the water source for them one of their water sources is our backyard. And so, uh, and and that water never runs dry. There's always a stream there, and they're always. But the, the honest part is that we were made to thirst for God. That's the thirst that's yeah. under that underlies all of our other thirsts. Is that so? Like so, we did that song growing up. Um, when i say we I, I was my little guitar it was before i had the bass um and, and this was pretty you know pretty simple chord structure but i never really felt like that my soul desired god like if i were being honest you know especially as a teenager my I, I, I desired girls right like i really really desired that i desired a job i did, like i had these desires but i didn't I wouldn't have said that if I were to be honest, that my soul desired God. But the honest part is that it is the desire. I just didn't know that yet. Like there's this thirst that we all have that we try to fill with something else. Uh, C.S. Lewis in his uh, famous sermon, The Weight of Glory, uh, he he talks about – these things like love and beauty and art and nature and and how they are, uh, they, they speak something to us and yet leave us unsatisfied. Like you and I are going to be in Wyoming this weekend, right? And we're going to be at one point at the top of these little mountains around there. And it's this, this amazing experience that still leaves you somewhat empty. Like you leave going, oh, that was great. And it's gone because it's over and I'm not... And so, it's like, C.S. Lewis is like he sort of ties that into it, saying that there's something to that. That that we as humans were created for, and so he his so his premise is this: that if the human body feels hunger, it doesn't um, it doesn't mean that there's the existence of bread. Like, my hunger does not prove the existence of bread. It does prove the ex- that I have a body that replenishes and refuels itself by eating food so my desire in and of itself proves the existence of something that meets that desire in the world so when he's talking about thirst psalm 42 that's there inside is this thirst that nothing and david and then his son solomon would go on to you know in in ecclesiastes like nothing it's vapor like nothing could ultimately satisfy that ultimate desire and it's part of what we are you know made for is this other world so the the point of honesty is just that like nothing wrong with being successful there's nothing wrong with with being married there's nothing wrong you know with my desire for for my wife romantically nothing wrong with that but she like the weight of the desire that i have is greater than all of those things and so it can't bear the weight of it So we always come back to it. So the honesty of the prayer is a, like, because he's honestly, we're going to see in a minute, he's actually talking about, um, he's using the language that that we would use around like depression or anxiety and coming to the point of like saying, hey, part of the root of that is that I have this thirst that is not being satisfied by these other things. And it's manifesting itself in depression and in anxiety. I wonder why that's so hard for us to um, to be so honest,
1: not only with each other, but with with God about these things. Why why is it so difficult for us to have an honest conversation about where we are <laughs> in our hearts? I mean, isn't it pride? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at the kind of you covered the honesty part, and then you know the humility part, like to pray hum hum humbly, to pray mm-hmm. in humility. Like there's not a very long distance between being honest and being humble.
0: Yeah. It's, it's actually a very short line because um, humility, biblical humility is believing the truth about myself, right? Like believing the truth about the situation. And so, you know, many times in my life, like, you know, I'm, I'm praying specifically for I don't know, something to be you know changed or to get out of this circumstance or you know for this healing to come or whatever. And in that in between, the the humility part uh, really is me just actually at some point having the honest conversation. And maybe that's it. Maybe the part of the reason that we have these desert seasons like that is that it actually we don't want to do it on our own. So this sort of forces the conversation. The, you know. The, the sick and tired of being sick and tired, the the bottom of the barrel that, you know, most addicts have to reach before they finally reach for help. Like we, we you know, we're a pretty prideful group of humans that want to, don't want to admit need because it feels like weakness. I mean, I feel weak if I say I have a need, like it feels weak to me. Yeah. Yeah, And even, you know, reaching the bottom of the barrel
1: really doesn't have to be an addict. Um, it could just be everyday life. Uh-huh that just mounts up over and over and over, over the course of time. uh, John Deloney, I think it was John Deloney. I've been listening to him. He's got a new book out. He's the uh, resident, um, counselor, therapist. Um, I'm not sure what his title is over at Ramsey Solutions. Um, but he has a fantastic podcast and he just released a new book, but he was just talking about, um, recently in an, in an interview, just about how every day we carry around these backpacks and, um, you know, you can just one little wrong saying or, or somebody says something to you wrong or maybe you miss, you know, misunderstood something or uh, a, a wrong against you, um, something that annoys you or it could be anything that puts a pebble in your backpack that you're mm. carrying around. And you 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 put, you know, a pebble or a stone or a rock uh, every day, multiple times a day over a couple decades. You know, you're carrying around a lot of stuff. Right, right. The yeah. rocks. Huh. Yeah. And so it's maybe not just the the big boulder that uh, you carry around from that one thing that happened. But maybe it's a bunch of little things that add up over time that
0: really do weigh you down. Yeah, and I guess, you know, holding on to them. I, I, I don't know if you if you do it. On, maybe you do it on purpose because if I hold on to this, so I can remember this or this this need of it or maybe it's just subconscious but um, it is and I think I remember I think it was Deloney because something something along the lines that a lot of times when we think of a traumatic experience we think it's this giant one time thing and that's what you know rewired me and, and those are truths There's sometimes some, it is some giant thing but for the most part it's just this myriad of yeah it's, it's cumulative yeah you know, small things along the way that you're carrying and I uh, and right now, especially, like, and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know the, I don't know the balance, because um, honesty also means to at least assess the situation that we're in. So a lot of times what we talk about here, you know, what's happening with gas prices, what happens, what's happening with inflation, what's happening with our country, those are all true things. You know, sometimes I've heard people say, uh, you know, well, that's just so negative and I don't want to. You know, we only want to do what things are lovely, whatsoever things, you know. But it also says whatever things are true, right? So the, the truth is, is, is not an unlovely thing. But, you know, you can carry it so much that if that's all you're taking in, maybe that's when I think to you, like, while we were thinking about praying through the Psalms, is here's a guy, here's a book of prayers that was praying in hard times that still found hope in the hard times. You still acknowledge the hard time and you acknowledge the hope. Those are They're not mutually exclusive ideas. Hiding your head in the sand is not helpful because it eventually comes out sideways. But being chicken little is not helpful because God is still in control, still still a hopeful God. Yeah, and that's evident in verse 40, um, in verse 5.
1: Chapter 42, verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And then he switches it hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that he even asks the question. It's like a, kind of a weird question, even. Like, why are you cast down, oh yeah. my soul? Like, he doesn't even know why yeah. he's feeling this way.
0: There's an honest assessment that it feels like he's doing. Like, I don't think it's like a you know rhetorical question for him. Like, oh my, you know, why are you so cast down? I, it, it, there's almost like a vibe here that he is assessing where his hopes are, and in doing so, figuring out that's where. Uh, it's why his soul is so downcast. He's put his hopes in the wrong thing. In fact, you know the song has the deer pants for the water. It's, it's actually not Psalm 42. It's, it's a conglomeration, but it goes into, uh, you are my, soul, my strength, my soul, my shield. Th- that, I, I, I don't know who wrote that song, but it, it almost feels like they actually were taking that from Psalm 103, which would have been David... At a time where you know Absalom had betrayed him, like his throne had been taken, he, everything that his identity had been based in, everything that his hopes had been rooted in, had been taken away from him. And took him to the point where he had to say, you, Lord, are my strength and, and my shield. Because everything he had hoped in wasn't doing that for him anymore. And there's a freedom in that, like when you say to your soul, why are you so downcast? It does allow us to say, hey, you know, did I have – was my hope in the president of the United States, my candidate, getting elected? Is my hope there? And there's a difference between this somebody that you think would do a better job or think, you know, you, you, you believe in their policies, whatever. There's a difference between that and your hope being put in that because when your hope is in it and when it's pulled out from under you, your soul becomes pretty downcast, right? And it comes out in all kinds of ways. It comes out in form of rage. It comes out in the form of depression. And it comes out in the form of what we're experiencing in our country right now, which is depression and anxiety on a level that has not ever been seen before. It's unprecedented. So, you know, my soul, why are you so downcast that the honesty and the humility is doing an assessment of those hopes. And at the same time, he then says, put your hope in God. So he doesn't Ignore, and I just love this because he doesn't ignore the truth. He doesn't ignore even what he's feeling, but he then says to his soul, and we all have to at some point to just say, okay, uh, now you listen to me, soul. This is the truth. This is what the word of God says. This is what God really is. This is, and you know, all prayer eventually, if prayed, if you're praying, all prayer will lead to praise because eventually you get to the place where I've said it, I've got it out in the open and leading you to hope because the, you know, the God of the universe can take your questions, the God of the universe can take your frustrations. And the God of the universe uh, can bear the weight that I, you know, like I don't know about your wife, but my wife doesn't exactly enjoy me talking about inflation. <laughs> she, she's not interested in me talking about Klaus Schwab or you know whatever. She, this is not this is not how she's wired. She's not vibing on that at all.
1: Yeah, she kind of leans on me to to have that figured out and, and she'll execute the plan. Like it's like, all right, babe, this is the plan. I need, Sh- yeah, yeah, I need your help true. to you yeah know, go knock these things out real quick this week. Yeah. And she's like, okay, yeah. Just tell me what to do.
0: But if I go home and I'm like just heavy with all this stuff, like that, yeah. my wife, she she's not meant to bear that. So you know, me taking it to God in prayer. Uh, is is part of praying the Psalms here? It's part of praying, like in acknowledging that if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling depression, and, uh, absolutely talk to your therapist. Absolutely talk to your friends. But man, if you're not talking to God about it, like, if, what are you doing really? Like, you, you know, God, I'm not saying God's your therapist, but I don't know. Maybe take a challenge for the next thirty days if you're experiencing this kind of depression or anxiety. And take that to God. Pray the Psalms. Find the Psalms that are praying what you're feeling and pray them. Yeah, and maybe another prayer to
1: um, to, to lean against as well would be the Lord's Prayer. You know, the Sermon on the Mount, um, and just reading through that in Matthew uh, chapter six and Luke chapter eleven. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, yep. and just kind of meditate on that. Uh, that first that first part of our father in our father in heaven i did you ever have any, anybody in your circles that when they would pray out loud this this is kind of a sidebar too they would say they would do the daddy god prayer uh, yeah yeah
0: we have some we have some kind of <laughs> daddy god people
1: i it's always threw me for a loop cuz uh-huh. they would say it over and over and over yeah
0: yeah it's <laughs> yeah it does feel kind of weird doesn't it um and it comes by the way from He uses the word Abba. Abba, yes. But uh, the thing about that word in, I think it's an Aramaic word, is even daddy isn't the right word. Mm. It's actually more akin to, uh, so the coffins, you know, brand new baby, Josie, Mm -hmm. at some point she's going to muster something that says dada, 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 like dada. Like it's... It's that kind of a word, so it's yeah. not even daddy or dad, or it's like a, literally a child, dada, kind of prayer. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so those that say that, you know, I, I get why they say it, but even that that word is not quite capture the the idea of, of, of being like a, a child. By the way, C.S. Lewis goes on in in the weight of glory to say something really interesting about that, because what he's saying. Part of what our desire is, is for glory. That thirst that we're feeling is the thirst of somebody being proud of me, somebody that sees and is like, man, you did good, you you, you know, And, and we as Christians initially, again, talking pride versus humility, if you're going for the attaboy, doesn't that feel prideful and gross? Like we're not supposed to. You know, we're supposed to, all the the crowns are thrown at his feet. We're not, it's all God, it's all. And by the way, all true and we were actually made for this desire of the well done, my good and faithful servant. Like it's actually right there in the scripture. Like that is part of what our glory is. The New Testament is full of that kind of language. And he says, um, is, is C.S. Lewis was struggling over it. He says, I suddenly, I suddenly remembered no one can enter heaven except as a child. And nothing is so obvious in a child, not in a conceited child, but in a good child, as it is great and undisguised pleasure in being praised.
1: Well, that's so good.
0: Not only in a child either, but even in a dog or a horse, right? Our dog, good girl, good <laughs> Apparently, what I had mistaken for humility had all these years prevented me from understanding what was in fact... The humblest, the most childlike, the most creaturely of pleasure, pleasures, the specific pleasure of the inferior. He goes to say this, the pleasure before beast and men, a child before its father, a pupil before its teacher, a creature before its creator. I'm not forgetting how horribly the most innocent desire parried of human ambitions can quickly, you know, go on unlawful, on, on yada, yada, yada. Uh, But a very short moment, uh, let me finish. Perfect humility dispenses with modesty. If God is satisfied with the work, the work may be satisfied with itself. It's not for her to bandy with compliments for herself. Uh, The point he's making is that the the universal idea the thirst that we have for God is actually his own pleasure in us. Like, it's a weird thing to say that. But you think about, like... um, there was a few years ago, I was, uh, gosh, 2000. Oh my gosh, that's so long ago. Oh wow. Um, where my friends and I had started this business in the uh, high tech headhunting space. And we had gone to Silicon Valley. This was, we and you know, I had had like a mini Jerry Maguire moment and quit the <laughs> music business. And, but we had, in a space of three days, found ourselves in front of a couple of internet billionaires who were getting ready to launch this company, r- wrote us a check for a million dollars to start this company that they would be a, a silent investor in to start an executive recruiting firm. Now, the point of me saying that was, that night, uh, the the other guys that were there, the other three guys, You know, we all get back, we've, we pulled out our Motorola flip phones uh, to call, and uh, they all called like their dads.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Cause their dads were so proud of him. And I'm like, I didn't, my dad wouldn't even understand what just happened. Like, I didn't like, how do you even explain this to, you know, I mean, my, my dad had a cell phone for like about a month and he realized people could call him on it. And so he, he like ditched the, <laughs> ditched the phone because nobody can, can call him. But, but what I remember, so I actually, I, I actually called the guy who was my pastor at that time. Uh, because I, I just wanted to tell somebody. And he, he was excited for me. And then immediately in that sentence, and I, I don't think he meant any ill will, by the way. I don't, I don't harbor any ill feelings about this. Said, And, man, if that, if that hits, man, the 10% from that can help us get this building thing done.
1: Oh, man. Like
0: that was like his thought. And I remember hanging up going, wow, oh, gosh. I, 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 I didn't have a wheelhouse for that at all. But I, you know, I didn't, you know, at the time, I didn't have a wheel. And I saw so that's kind of a, kind of a downer story, but, but the idea that I needed, I just wanted somebody, you know, to be, to be proud. Yeah. But even C.S., I think what C.S. Lewis is saying is even if, even if my father was, you know, would have understood that, it's still not enough. That's a, It's the eyes of the universe of God of the universe looking at you and saying, well done, Mo." Like you did it, yeah. Well done. Like that's the desire we have as the cre as the creation. We want our Creator to be pleased in us, and anything else we do is us drinking from salt water, us drinking, uh, be drowning in the. Because he flips the metaphor about halfway through. By the way, he he start so it starts with not enough water to too much water, because he starts talking about the roar of your waterfall deep calls to deep, the deepness of my need, calling unto the deepness of his provision. But to think there's such a gospel moment in that, because you could, you could die of thirst without water, and you could die of thirst with too much water, because it doesn't go, you're just, it's in your lungs now, it's not getting into your body anymore. So the, the idea of what Christ did for us, the way that we can pray that even David or the sons of Korah could not pray, is we can pray in Christ. Because he's like our, you know, you know the people take barrels and go over Niagara Falls and ride in the barrels. It's like it's this adventurous thing. Like Jesus is like our barrel in the waterfall. <laughs> like we're, We can stand in the waterfalls and not not be drowned by them. We can stand in the waterfalls and be refreshed by them because of, of Christ. So the water without Jesus will drown us, will kill us. But in Christ, it, it replenishes us and, and, and you know, fills us up. And... Uh, The hope, of course, of glory, the only hope of glory is that our Father looks at what Christ did. I think this is important because if, if you're like me, I could whiteboard out several reasons why God should not be proud of me, you know, if we're sort of like you know weighing this one against the other. But all that does is make me a good Muslim, you know, without Jesus because I'm weighing my good against my bad. And if I'm, again, honest and I'm humble, my bad works are going to outweigh my good works. There's no way to, I'll ever make it. So God fixes all that and says, no, look at what Jesus did. And because of that, you know, I, you know I'm proud of you. Uh, and that's the the C.S. Lewis winning, the weight of glory is that now like the, the purpose and the meaning and all that is now found in him. The vast majority, if you talk to people who are suffering with especially depression or anxiety, whatever, for the most part, They genuinely have a lack of purpose and meaning in their lives. In fact, most of the people that are raging online, this is the first place where they finally have some power and they can get some purpose and they can get some meaning because I'm actually going to make a change. And really all they're doing is tweeting, but they're feeling like they're making a difference. And all they're doing is what we're all doing, which is thirsting for God. One of the ways you were talking about replenishing
1: and refreshing is kind of having this holistic approach and awareness of your daily life. Um, you know, why is your soul so downcast? Yeah you, yeah, you talked about even just the the very simple idea of getting
0: more sleep. It's so crazy, right? And there's some so, studies that are out about yeah, that. yeah. Washington Post just this last week. Uh, I mean, it, and I can't believe it's not getting more coverage. I mean, I'm I gonna rephrase it. I guess I can because it's not nearly salacious enough. Like it doesn't like it, people are not clicking on that like they're clicking on the monkey box, right? You know? <laughs> sure. Like, if they could figure out a way to say, that, hey, monkey, you know, f- f- more sleep will fight monkey pox, people would probably click on it. But um, the, the the study that was, like, shocking to me was the uh, – we all know this, especially in teenagers. Anxiety and depression are up in astronomical numbers. But there's one correlation that I had never seen before, and it seems to be that people are just starting to connect the dots of this. The amount of sleep that a teenager needs – at seventh eighth you know even ninth tenth grade is actually nine hours a a night the average teenager right now is getting less than five so blame it on your technology sure the blue screens blame it on the stress it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy absolutely but when you're not sleeping and what does he say here i think it's verse three i'm awake he's my at at night tears are my food he's awake at night he can't sleep he's he's lost his appetite you know the your diet is affected by what's happening in his life. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, it's it's sort of a meme, but, you know, Elijah, after he was depressed uh, and ran from Jezebel and he hides out and God, you know, basically appears, an angel appears and brings him food and tells him to take a nap. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a good sandwich and a nap and God can meet you there. It, like, sleeping is not an interruption of your, of your health. Like, it's a part of it. And I, I personally take, uh, I, I don't even know what to do with it because I'm, uh, I've never slept great. Like I just, like I, you know, when Eric said he flew the, uh, the flight from Iraq and slept like eight hours on the plane, like I don't even know who like, I don't I know I'm supposed to hate people, but I kind of hate you right now. Like, I, how do you do that? How do you sleep like that?
1: You know, there's studies coming out. Actually, a, another one is coming out about sleep. Um, and it was, where did I hear this? It was from one of the, the, it's a Chick-fil-A second in command. I think his name's Mike Miller, Mark Miller, something like that. He, uh, he, he was, on, I listened to him on a podcast, a leadership podcast this past week. And, um, I guess he's true. It's, um, right-hand man. Keep up with that guy. Yeah, exactly. Right. But what he was saying is, and he's, him and his team are doing this study, um, that is showing that uh, I think they interviewed like a thousand CEOs in the country or something like maybe 2000. It was a pretty big study and they're still working on it. Um, but they were, they were trying to find out how why these people are so successful. Actually, I remember what it was. It was a study that's actually come out from Harvard. He was referencing a, an existing study from Harvard that was showing how CEOs spend their days, and w- like they they basically took all of their calendars, dissected them scientifically and practically, and took a deep dive into um, like two thousand CEOs' calendars. Wow. Is really fascinating, and the thing that they're that they're gleanings early in this study is that the the amount of alone time and sleep that they ha- that they're getting interesting compared to most Americans.
0: And, and am I to understand that they're getting more sleep?
1: Yes, like on average seven to eight hours of of sleep a night. Which in wow. that study for teens was what? What was it like less than six or six?
0: Yeah. So the majority were less than six, and like thirty to forty percent were less than five.
1: Yeah, and and so there's there's some more information and data coming out just about our society as a whole and the the sleep deprivation, if I could use this word, epidemic that is a part of our country right now. Yeah. That it's it's the the hustle that we hear about all the time. Um, you know, you just got to hustle, hustle, hustle. The, the Gary Vee people, one hundred percent. it's actually not doing what they think it is. It's actually having a reverse effect.
0: Right. And it's interesting to you. Know, so, you know, what Gary Vee is selling, right? These CEOs that they've interviewed, clearly they're not buying that one. No, not at all. Hmm. Um,
1: and then another study came out today. I stumbled upon this this morning. It's super sad, but... It's where we are. It ties in. U.S. drug and alcohol-related deaths yeah. for children ages 0 to 17. The new numbers are out for wow. 2021 20, and um, 2020. They, they're they skyrocketed compared to pre-pandemic numbers. So, yeah, so it's uh, 2018 was 342 alcohol-related deaths, 2019, 417 Alcohol and drug related deaths. From zero to 17. From zero to 17. In 2020, 730. Wow. Almost double. 2021, 730 again. Wow. Almost double. And we wonder why? How, why is there a blip on the chart? Why is, why, is, why is it skyrocket almost you 45 know, percent from the years prior? you know people are looking back in history over yeah. over time to see 2018, 2019. Oh and then there's this huge jump in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. What could have happened? Well, I think I
0: think we all can yeah we know this, this. I mean that's what you, you and I were saying this a year two years ago. An epidemiologist they might know a lot about virology, but they know nothing freaking nothing about the human condition, about the soul. Because that is exactly what happens in isolation. Depression is an isolating thing. So if you force isolation, of course it's going to exacerbate that. And, and, and I say this, if, if someone even is listening to this and you're already struggling with, like it becomes like this cyclical thing. Like you're saying, great, Darren, I want to get some sleep. But how? Like I, I can't sleep. How do I, and I, I 100% i am doing this on my own right now. Which is okay. Well, what are the things that are probably keeping me from getting sleep? So, scrolling before bedtime, your eyes are looking at this light. The circadian rhythms are off. And by the way, why are you scrolling and why are you looking at it? Because I'm not. Well, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to deal with this. So I'm scrolling this instead, and so it's hurting. Like, and so you end up. You know, maybe you may have some. You know, I can speak from experience. You, you, you know, some nights where you're laying awake. Um while you're weaning yourself off of it, but your body can and will, your mind can and will transform, especially with the Word of God. And, I, you know, there's an old sermon, um, a guy named David Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's one of my favorite... Four names. I know. Right? And a, a doctor, David Martin, because he was actually a physician. Uh, famous as like a Reformed uh, charismatic guy. He's one of the very first charismatic guys in the Reform movement back in the 50s. His sermon... On Psalm 42, um, at one point. So he, and th- by the way, in the fifties, okay, physician saying, "Does anyone hold the position that if you are a Christian, it doesn't matter what the condition of your body is? You'll soon be disillusioned if you believe that. There are some in whose cases it's clear to me the cause of their depression is actually physical. On the other hand, there are those who are physically weak, but they're more prone to attacks of spiritual discouragement. So if you're physically weak, you're more prone to attacks of spiritual discouragement." And depression. But if you recognize the physical might be partially responsible for the spiritual, you'll be better positioned to deal with it. Wow. That's Good. Right? And in our world right now, in, 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 so we know the struggles of what it is to live in a world where there's not enough, right? There are struggles with that. None of which, as best I can tell, are emotional. There are not a bunch of my Haitian friends having existential crises of meaning, right? They're waking up and trying to stay alive. We, on the other hand, wake up and we don't have to really do anything, go to work, but we have all this time to think and so much time to think. And going to
1: work doesn't even mean what it used to mean. No. Going to work means getting up and walking across the hall into your home office.
0: Yes. So the idea of your physical body being a part of it, which is why I love the Bible because you know, there are there are doctors in town. You go to them, and you're saying you're dealing with – like right now, if you go to Williamson County Medical Center and say that you're, you're considering uh, taking your own life, right, they, they really only have one path, right, which is to uh, put you in Rolling Hills, and they're going to start medicating you immediately. Now, for some people, medication is necessary. There is a physiological thing that is happening. But every bottle of Prozac, every bottle of Zoloft has the exact same warning. Caution could cause suicidal thoughts, could cause uh, manic episodes. Like, the, the, nobody is talking about this, but the, the, the shooters that have happened in the last few years, uh, the, the, who, there's a whole lot of things that may be the problem, whatever, but there is one common denominator in almost every one of them, and they are on anti, it's, 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 uh, mental medications, Prozac's and Zoloft's and things that are uh, anti-psychotic kind of medications. Is that what causes it? I don't know. I just know that there's a medication thing. That that's the thing. You know that that is the first attempt. So, but to just do medication and leave it at that is an unhelpful idea. Now, at the same time, we've all been around where someone comes in and they're spiritually depressed or anxious, or whatever. And so the first inclination is to cast the devil out of them. It must be a demonic thing. There has to be a demon thing. Right. So yeah. there's a spiritual thing to it. Maybe there is a spiritual thing to it. But the the, the thing that David Martin Lord. Jones, Jones is saying, and the thing that Psalms 42 is, seems to be indicating is the spirit, the soul, and the body are all involved in it. There's there's levels of all of it. So when you ask, you know, Mike Coop, is addiction um, a sin or is it not a sin? And his answer is yes. Because if you, I'm sorry, if the question is if it's is is a, is, a, is addiction a sickness or is addiction a sin? And the answer is yes, because it started somewhere along the line in sin. Of, of me putting the weight of this on, you know, numbing my... Med- I, I, would, I wasn't dealing with the sin in my life, and so now I'm medicating it. So there's the sin part, but then at some point, it flips into the physiological part, where now my body, the dopamine that I need from this, that I'm getting from this, is coming from the medication from it. So the physical side is there. this you know, The spiritual side is there. The, and as, as how do you pray when you are, you know, honestly, uh, humbly, and then hopefully... Because when I put all those three things together and realize that God, my creator, uh, will be with me in this. Uh, will, he, he, oh, man, Jesus on the cross, right? What was it? He thirsted. Like he was thirsting, not just for water, but because God himself turned his back on, on, on Jesus. Like he, he, the ultimate cosmic thirst, he experienced that for us so that we now have a relationship with God to never have to thirst again. Every language in the New Testament from Jesus, living water. The Water will flow from within you. The the hope is not in my circumstances. The hope is in the King of Kings who is inside of me now and is returning someday, hopefully soon. And I also love the example that Jesus gives for
1: prayer. Like he would get himself away alone and pray away from the the crazy, the hustle um, in the middle of Jerusalem and sneak to the garden and find time alone and himself pray to the Father. Yeah. That's that's really encouraging (laughs) that he modeled that.
0: Yeah, think about how often he did that, withdrew to pray, withdrew from the crowd to pray. There were people who needed to be healed right then. There were needs that had to be met right then. And he walked away from them. For his own, so it sets the example for us that, especially in the ministry world, we're not going to be able to fix everybody, we just aren't. And it wasn't his expectation that we would. Um, withdrawing to pray, to refuel, to replenish I mean, it's what we're going to be doing this weekend in Wyoming. Yeah, it's true. Um, is you know, and, and initially, even telling people that you go do that, I remember I actually used to kind of not tell anybody because it felt really selfish and it felt really uh. Uh, but now I want I want everybody to know we're doing it because I want to see that there's an example of this that of men especially but women like withdrawing to replenish and to refresh is not going to uh, slow your ministry down it's actually going to uh, stretch you well into the future
1: yeah because culturally speaking i mean it's we're 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 so wired to hustle all the time and to completely be our calendars like our calendars being overwhelmed is like a badge of honor Seemingly mm-hmm. like that, you know, we we have 20 meetings a day and we're burning, you know, the wick at both ends and cause we're crushing it. Right. We're getting things yeah. done, but we have seen example after example, after example of how that leads to actual burnout and physical, uh, manifestations of unhealth, um, and then if that obviously, like we just talked about, rolls into um, emotional issues with relationships close to you, most notably probably your spouse and then your children. Like mm-hmm. it's, this, it's this avalanche that happens when we don't take care of ourselves and when we're not being honest with the Lord through prayer.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that, you know, even when you start talking physically, yeah, the, you know uh, the culture right now we're in uh, almost anything we say someone's going to walk away feeling some shame about it and so you know we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings we don't want to but the, but honestly being honest is, is god we have to start with that so withdrawing to pray withdrawing to uh, find our you know hope in Jesus whatever and at the same time, taking care of our physical body by, by what we're eating. I'm not, you know, gosh, you know me. Like I'm not exactly
1: poster child for uh, yeah. physical fitness.
0: Yeah, but getting, keeping ourselves in in a place where, again, so we were wired to be that way, you know. But if if, if you don't have to go out and eat and kill anymore, making sure that you're yeah, that you're moving, you know. When this is true, by the way, like I uh, every Saturday night when I'm out with for my prayer prep for Sunday, I will walk probably four or five miles while processing and praying about the sermon. And it's just amazing. Like some of the best moments that I get for a sermon actually come like by mile four or mile five, you know? I do it at night because people think I'm talking to myself. They think I'm like psycho neighbor or whatever. So it's it's at night, but (laughs) I'm just, I'm realizing in my older age now that the physical body is not an interruption of our work. I mean, it's a tent that it's gonna fold up and it is going to die at some point. We're all dying. None of us are getting out of here alive. But in the meantime, like fueling it properly, putting it in a place where it can function properly, not medicating it, not, you know, the, the old Jake kincher to eat, you know, live to eat or to eat to live. And if you eat to live, then I'm, I'm talking about I'm fueling my body, right? I'm not just like, numbing my, my brain. Yeah, my 86-year-old grandfather is, uh, is my
1: example. Um, he, uh, he's an object in motion that stays in motion, <laughs> and he will just not stop. I mean, he's got a, he's got a three acre little plot of land that he, he stays, you know, keeps it mowed and tended to, he's got a little garden, but he's up every day. I guarantee you right now, I mean, it's, it's noon there where he lives. Like he's, he is probably tackling his lawn right now. He's Battling nature, he's man. <laughs> beating beaten back nature <laughs> and he's the strongest, like physically strongest yeah. man I've ever met in my life. Like yeah. he is just like farmer strong, you yeah. know, um, but just his routine, like getting up and getting moving and tackling the day, yeah. um, he he could care less and knows nothing about an iPhone or a laptop. Yeah, <laughs> but he's crushing it, man. He's it, it, what I mean by crushing it is actually like getting stuff done, staying healthy, moving, not being sedentary, um, and going about his tasks yeah. uh, with his with his wife, and my grandmother.
0: Huh. One of the things that C.S. Lewis towards the end of this sermon says is apparently then our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door of which we've always seen from the outside is no neurotic fantasy, but the truest index of our real situation. And to at last be summoned inside would be both glory and honor beyond all merits, and also the healing of that old ache.
1: Man, that's so good,
0: right? Nineteen forty, man, <laughs> in the middle of World War II, C.S. Lewis was spitting fire, man, from it. And I, I, I actually have revisited a lot of those writings from Tolkien and Lewis because they were writing in the middle of some of the greatest crises of our uh, of history. Yeah, um, they weren't. Prophets, they were historians, man. They were just students of the human condition. And if we in these coming days, years, months, whatever is whatever is in store for our country, I just don't know. But I know that my desire to be summoned on the inside, like this is all going to fade away. By the best, most you know, optimistic prediction of, the, you know, of humanity, uh, we're gone. Like it's going to end at some point. But we weren't made for this world anyway, and so to you know, I'm tr- instead of numbing the 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 pain and the ache and that, like to at least take it back a step and say, hey, there there is a there is a physical pain, there is emotional pain that we've all experienced. There's the rocks that Deloney talks about, you know, in our backpack. But the 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 desire underneath of the desire is the one that the only one that will actually be fulfilled perfectly, and that is to one day be. Invited inside uh, of the door that we're locked out of now. Um, it's a really cool thought. Yeah, and if I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's for me, it's really freeing to say uh, uh, there is a drive for me for this. And so instead of me trying to panic and medicate it, just to acknowledge that I'm actually never going to find a fulfillment here that will fulfill that. So it takes me the pressure's off my wife now. The pressure's off the church of my ministry to try to fill that ache. And instead of trying to serve or love to fill the ache, I'm doing it as a uh, reminder of the ache. I'm doing it as a out of the abundance of Christ inside of me, not as a trying to fill the hole inside of me. We've
1: kicked off our summer series, Summer of Psalms: How to Pray, When, and um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting summer. We have several different guest speakers over the summer, as you know. Staff is traveling and and getting refreshed, getting replenished.
0: And Um, going back to Africa, man. I'm excited. Yeah,
1: you're heading to Uganda here uh, next month, Mm -hmm. um, which has been, what,
0: two years in the making? Two years, yeah. Not for lack of trying, man, no. Uganda locked down tighter than a frog's butt man. you could not
1: squeak <laughs> in that one man. They were just snug, man. But I love that we have so many uh, trips heading out this summer. Uh, we're, we're, we're back to work um, in 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 person. We've been working all along, yeah, but we're actually going to be you know feet on the ground um, in many of these places that we haven't been able to over the past few yeah. Days. We're just gonna go see our friends. yeah, it's good. And so next week, um, we will be back in the Psalms, like I said, every week through the, through the summer. And if you have a prayer request, I want to invite you to go to our website, conduitchurch.com, and you just scroll down to the, to the bottom of that homepage there, and there's, there's a little prayer request form that you can click. Um, feel free to fill that out. Or I just want to email it to info at conduitchurch.com. Um, just know that you will be prayed over, you will be prayed for, and that is a focus for us this summer and hopefully for you too.